Hey friend, welcome to Healthy by Heather Brown. Do terms like mental health, intermittent fasting, and buzzy wellness words make you feel overwhelmed? If you don't know where to start with loving the life you already have and letting your good things grow until they become daily habits, I got you, mama. So join me as we unpack what it looks like to live a life well-loved and redefine a new approach to health from the inside out. Think of this space as your girlfriend's group text with the occasional dad joke and point of view from my Yankee hubby, Eric. We promise to give you key takeaways that you can implement right away to pursue health in your mind, body, and soul, because God made us that way. Don't stress. Let's hop on this Hot Mess Express together. Welcome back to another episode of Healthy with Heather Brown. I am so excited today to welcome Dr. Allison Cook to the show. She is not only a psychologist, but also a believer and just really cool to see that she's just released her newest book. So those are a few just quick stats about her, but I would love to welcome Allison to the show and have her tell you a little bit about her in her own words. So Allison, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Heather. I'm glad to be here. Yes, absolutely. So Allison and I were just talking a little bit before we started recording that she actually just launched her own podcast this past summer as well. So Allison, will you tell them a little bit about your podcast, what you do, personal life, all the things? Yeah, I've been working um, as a therapist for over 20 years, primarily with women in the faith space, which I love. Um, I wrote my first book, I think it's been gosh, almost four years now, Boundaries for Your Soul. That came out of my own journey of, uh, and my work as a therapist. But really, my work comes out of this idea of I loved God my whole life. You know, grew up, you know, my dad reading the Bible around the breakfast table every morning, um, really sought to love other people, wanted to show up for other people and had no clue about myself. No clue. Like, you know, wow. <laughs> all the yeah. way into my early 30s where it was like, and, and almost thought that was bad. Like, I should never think about myself, only God, only others, but self bad. And so my books, and, and then um, I wrote my second book this last year, launched the podcast. It's called The Best of You and Break Free from Painful Patterns, Mend Your Past, Discover Your True Self in God. And really what I'm trying to do with everything that I do is uncover this idea that there are three relationships. We love God. And then Jesus says, love others as yourself, which implies you do have a relationship with yourself. So what does it mean to become the best version of yourself in the proper context while loving God and while loving others? So that's really the root of everything that I do. Oh, I really love hearing you say that. And I also love just that you have been speaking with women for so many years as well. Um, That's obviously a passion of mine as well. But one of the things that you're so right that you just hit the nail on the head is that women often say, well, I just don't have to have time for me, or I don't have time to, you know, work out or to do all these things. Um, because, and especially with women with young babies, I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old Allison, and a lot of my listeners have, you know, babies even younger than that. Um, so what would your best, I guess, advice, and obviously you've written books and podcasts, so there's a vast amount of, you know, <laughs> your resources that people could find. But if you, you could say, if you boiled it down to a nugget and you have a mom with two young babies that struggles to find time for herself, how do you advise her to do that? Oh, that's such a good question because when you're in the weeds of parenting, right, it is almost impossible just logistically. But here's what I would say is it doesn't necessarily, it's it's not necessarily a lot of time. A lot of when we hear about self-care, it's like, you know, you need to take time for you. You need to get to that gym, you know, for a couple of hours. You need to get to whatever, the spa retreat, you know, all of which takes time and money. You need to, you know, and a lot of what I'm talking about is more the posture of our heart, 
towards ourselves. It's showing compassion towards ourselves. It's growing an awareness. So even as a young mom, where you are, you know, a mom of young kids and you are surrounded with just all the things, it's that posture of, I'm tired. How can I show tenderness toward myself right now? It's learning to identify when we're beating ourselves up, when we're shaming ourselves, when we're criticizing ourselves, when we're comparing ourselves incessantly to everybody else and learning to train ourselves to attune to that inner voice of love, which is what Henry Nouwen calls it, that, that, that gentle voice of the Holy Spirit that's like, it's okay. You know, learning to nurture ourselves, even emotionally. Um, and some of that does, yes, it's a practice. I, I talk a lot to women about it. When you're prioritizing time with God, bring yourself into it. Bring everything you're feeling into it. That's part of caring for yourself. God, I, you know, it, it's, but it's paying attention at least a couple of times a day to checking in on your emotions, checking in on the state of your body, just seeing if there's small things you can do to be a little bit more gentle with yourself. Oh man, that is such good advice. Um, I actually just did a live yesterday talking a lot about and with my uh, group of women that I'm health coaching. And one of the things that I heard afterwards was I was just sitting there crying because I just realized that you know, first of all, my hormones are all out of whack and I do just, <laughs> which is, I mean, that's, that's a struggle right there yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but also just realizing like, I don't give myself grace yeah. and I, you know, I, I just want to be with my babies. And I think that giving so much to my husband, like I do just think like, well, I'll just give and give and give. But you know, at the end of the day, if you completely ignore yourself, like yes. you don't even know how to take care of your babies and your husband, cause you're not in tune with how you're feeling towards each of them, you know? Exactly. And that, it will come out one way or another. You will start to notice resentment. You will start to notice unhealthy coping tactics. You know, if you aren't taking care of yourself, it'll come out sideways. And even if it doesn't come out on other people, you will start to use numbing. You know, you will start to rely on other things, right, to get through. And that's not healthy for anybody. The best gift we have to give our children, our spouses, is our own emotional, spiritual, and physical health as best we can. Oh gosh. I love that. I'm like that. I mean, thank you so much for saying that. It's been so heavy on my heart recently with so many of the women that I've been talking to. So thank you for speaking to that. Um, and then also one thing while we're talking about this relationship with your spouse, your kids, one thing that I see women struggling with is when their spouse or kids are in a funk or dealing, you know, with just tough life things and they don't really know how to help them. Um, so what would your advice be on how to help a loved one in a way that is encouraging and God honoring without almost them feeling like, especially with older kids and like your spouse that you're just like beating them over the head with the Bible. Um, I think that I've started to notice that when people struggle, they tend to pull away from the mm-hmm. Lord. And so if you're coming at them with that biblical wisdom or advice, um, mm-hmm. I, I would just love to hear your take on that. Yeah. There's a word that we use. I talk about it a lot in the best of you. Um, and whenever I talk, post about this on social media, it always gets the most attention. So it must be hitting some sort of nerve, but it, the word is the phrase is called spiritual bypassing. And what it means, it's when someone's in pain, whether it's ourselves or someone else, when they're hurting, even if they're acting out, because oftentimes if we're acting out, it's because there's we're hurting. It's we spiritualize it. So we bypass the emotion, we bypass the pain and slap a Bible verse on something or slap a, a um, pat answer. Well, if you just trust God or if you, and it's not that these things aren't necessarily true, but in that moment, what that person needs more than that is our curiosity is our connect is a connection to us. So I would always just start with a question, you know, tell me more about what's going on with you. I love you. I'm worried about you. You know, 
an expression of care. Like I see that you're, you're working, you know, constantly. Tell me what's going on with you. Help me understand. When we approach people with curiosity, genuine curiosity and a genuine bid for connection, it's very disarming. It's very disarming. Now, not always. Sometimes our spouses will get defensive, but in general, if we lead with that, it's going to go better than you are working too much. God says you are supposed to rest one day of the week. That's going to come on as criticism. That's going to come on as, and that person is going to immediately go into defensive mode. So if we can just take a breath and get curious, I wonder what's going on. It's just going to go better in general with our loved one. A hundred percent. And actually, I would love to hear your professional take on what is your best take on when things are starting to get heated with your spouse or with your kid? And is it different? Oh, it's usually similar, (laughs) different events, but similar (laughs) mechanisms in the body, right? So yeah, these triggers. So we look at the, the nervous system when we go into fight response. And all that means is we get a hit of adrenaline and all of a sudden we're both armored up, you know, and you're both getting defensive. And usually when we're in defense mode, right, it's because a part of us feels threatened. A part of us feels fearful. A part of us feels vulnerable. But that's the last thing, you know, it's just going to be like, you always do it this way. You never do it this way. We go into fight mode, right? And so the first thing we got to do with our spouse is name that and just be like, you know, and, and go to the we. We are both, we need to start, we need to pause and reset, Right. Because if you start going, you're in fight mode, well, they're going to be like, well, you're in fight. You know, <laughs> we are both not our best selves right now. Let's take a time out. Let's reboot. And then you each have to do the work. And it, it's hard because you both need to be committed to this, but to go, listen. And, and I, in chapter nine of The Best of You, I walk through scripts for how to engage these conversations with a loved one because it's hard. It takes some work. Right. We have to get to the root of because it first is, he's such a, I'm so mad at him. And then it's like, what's going on inside of me when he will not turn off the TV, you know, for six hours and I'm over here, blah, 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 blah. What do I feel inside? I feel abandoned. I feel so alone. I feel so just frustrated. This is what my mom used to do to me. This is what my dad, I feel so when he blank, I feel so criticized. And I, you know, and and, and if you go to someone and start with that, man, I just, I, I wish I didn't, but this is how I feel when mm. this thing happens. How can we together negotiate in a better way? It just tends to go a little better. So hitting that, t- that reset button, taking that time out, regrouping and really getting to the root of what does this evoke inside of me, which again, means paying attention to ourselves. Right. (laughs) I'm like, retweet. Yes. Amen. (laughs) I agree. That's great advice. Um, and yeah, it makes me think of so many times in Eric and I's relationship when things have gotten heated. And I mean, and sometimes we learn the acronym in, um, couples therapy halt where you, you know, literally halt if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Did I butcher any of those? I think I got it. it. (laughs) Okay. Great. Um, and we'll say, okay, we're just going to, you know, stop for a minute and take that break and then come back. And you're right. It does just help to, almost just to like figure out what you're feeling inside to be able to name it and talk with your spouse again about it. Um, But this is kind of going in a different direction, but it's one thing that I wanted to ask you about because you are so specifically dealing with lots of believing women as well. Do you feel that there's a tendency for almost like a toxic positivity and stigma surrounding mental health in the church? Um, Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, toxic positivity is very much related to this idea of spiritual bypassing, which because we can put Christianese over toxic positivity, which is I'm upset. I don't get sad. I've got God. 
which is like, no, we, we still experience a full range of emotions. Jesus experienced a full range of emotions. He was not happy, clappy all the time. Sometimes, you know, and so, yes. Sometimes he was flipping tables (laughs) in the synagogue. (laughs) Crying. He was anguished. He hurt. You know, he grieved. He got angry. So, yes, I do think we can kind of Christian have a Christianized form of toxic positivity, which is, you know, I'm all set. I've got Jesus. I'm good. My life is good. And that, that, I mean, it's not to say that it's not true. We do experience joy. And also we are humans. Every single one of us. Every single one of us has a deep vulnerability and tender area somewhere. And the more we make peace with that, and the more we learn to speak on behalf of that, we don't have to throw our, all our baggage out for everybody, but to say just little things like, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, and I'm struggling this week, you know, um, and just to normalize that or down all the way to, I'm really, I'm, I really struggle with anxiety. I struggle sometimes with depression and that that doesn't have to be this, oh my gosh, we have to pray for you. It's more like, tell me again, that curiosity, tell me more. I get, I'm so sorry that you go through that. I love, thank you for telling me. I want to know more, right? That we're just seeking to understand each other versus kind of who can put on the best, you know, mask kind of, (laughs) yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I definitely agree with that. I think that that is definitely a struggle that I've seen play out you know, year over year in different churches. And I just am thankful to hear somebody speak to it. Um, So let me ask you then, in your opinion, what kind of conversations do you feel like the church or even church leadership could start to bring into play surrounding mental health to maybe help open up some of those doors? Yeah, I'm on a mission. Uh, Really, I love that question because I do think church spaces can create more of this posture of curiosity versus you know, sort of, you're a Christian, you should be all set so that the work, you know, it's like, no, no, we're all still in process. Everybody who walks through that church door is, is got wounds. And so normalizing in the book, I go through this idea of um, some of these misnomers, these misconstrued church messages of you can't trust your emotions, which really, to some degree you can't, but also you, you do need to honor your emotions. Our emotions are cues that we need to pay attention to. You can't trust yourself. Well, Yes and no. I mean, we do need to be able to trust ourselves to some degree, or how can we discern who else to trust in our lives? Sure. Um, so I do think the church, some of these messages that are have sort of, or, you know, an over, the other one I talk a lot about is dying to yourself, which when Jesus talked about that, what he, what he was talking about was dying to the old ways that weren't serving you anymore, so that you could become your truest, most God-made self, which might mean dying to your old ways of pleasing other people, which might be dying to your old ways of never taking care of your own health. And we don't talk about that in church settings, right? We don't talk about this third relationship with self that actually you don't honor others when you completely betray your own self. You honor others by also simultaneously honoring yourself, even as you honor them. So I think some of that, some of the, you know, that's my goal is to bring a lot of those kind of just nuanced messages into church settings because they're orthodox. We see them in the life of Jesus. We see Jesus having healthy boundaries. We see Jesus taking time away from his ministry to spend time with his father where he was replenished. So... 
Hey, Mama. Do you feel like you are surviving on chicken nuggets and goldfish and haven't stepped in a gym since college? Or maybe, on the other hand, you feel like you're checking every health box and are still hitting a brick wall? Well, I'm here to help you redefine what it means to be healthy from the inside out. I'm a former fitness instructor and everyday mom who is passionate about helping you create a beautiful life you freaking love. So I'm opening the doors to the Healthy by Heather Brown membership to the public and can't wait to walk alongside you and be your cheerleader. When you join, you'll be added to my exclusive Facebook group. You'll receive my Sunday reset training that will help you create promising, sustainable, healthy choices from the inside out, which will in turn lead to a more joy-filled life for busy moms. Live coaching and workout classes with yours truly. You asked and I listened. We'll talk about how to balance your whole health when you have kids and life get busy with school and activities. It includes grocery haul ideas and accountability as we all reset together each Sunday. There will be so much offered that you won't find anywhere else on the internet. Are you ready to take one step out of stress, shame, unhealthy boundaries, and fatigue and add healthy rhythms to the Hot Mess Express? When you're ready, I'll see you on the other side of the link in the show notes. I'm excited and ready to hold your hand and meet face to face. Yes, I think that's such a good point. And I even have talked some about this, about how, you know, Christianity is, we're still here on earth. We're on this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, I think that we have in mind, like, well, my quiet time for myself and with the Lord has to be like, here's my Bible perfectly laid out. And I've got the Instagram coffee ready. And like, you know, you could like take a picture and be this perfect moment when most often it's like, well, I'm worshiping in the car with both my kids screaming at each other in the backseat or, Mm -hmm. you know, like you can replenish in ways that don't look idealistic. And that's right. I think that sometimes the church is almost like this perfect setting that you feel like you have to be perfect in it. I don't know. I I definitely am glad that you're talking and making that more known. So that's cool. Um, Okay. This is kind of a buzzword that I've heard a lot recently being thrown all over the media, all the things. The term is gaslighting. Um, (laughs) And I know that we have so much discussion about recognizing harmful behavior in others. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess I know for me, sometimes I wonder like, am I gaslighting in a conversation maybe with my husband? And like, is there a way to recognize that in yourself um, and work on that? Well, I just love that you asked that because we also, we so, that's one of the things like we so often want to see these things in other people and, and often they're there. But, you know, I, I talk about these buzz, big buzzy words like narcissism, gaslighting on my podcast. Like the, the sure thing that you're not a narcissist is when you start to wonder if you might be one. Right. That's Good the point. actual sign of humility, of <laughs> right. the humility to go, Oh, sometimes I see that in myself. You're probably not one. Same with gaslighting. So I would say with gaslighting, you know, there's a spectrum, right? There's the really toxic where someone is just systematically trying to make you feel crazy by but to second guess every, you know, so what gaslighting is, is it's sort of a psychological manipulation where someone, you know, you tell me, Oh, Allison, you know, your shirt is green. And I'm like, it's not green, it's blue. And you're like, no, no, it's green. There's something wrong with you. You know, and you're trying to do that (laughs) to make me feel horrible. Well, that's an extreme, very toxic, abusive version of it. And it happens. But yes, you're, you're, you're asking a really good question. There, there are other, well, no, you know, you you know, your husband says, Hey, you know, I noticed you, you know, I don't know. Let me give you just a dumb example, but you know, I noticed, you know, you're drinking a little more wine than usual. No, I'm not right. Maybe we are, or you're, you know, just little things. Oh, there's the credit card. You know, I didn't spend that, you know, and it, it's like a little kid, right? That just tells right. a little white lie. 
<laughs> so right. that's on this end of the spectrum of, yeah, we pro- a lot of people do it. Is it gaslighting? I, you know, I don't know at that point, but I do think it's just the fact that you're asking the question that's like, you know, I can sometimes cover over the truth just a little bit to, you know, is really healthy just there to go. I think I do do that. Talk to God about it first. Yeah. I always say to people, talk to God about it first. God, is that a deep area of toxicity in my life? Is that a deep, or is that like something I just need to watch, you know? Mm. But I think it's a good question to just be aware of that there are little ways we can all kind of creep onto that spectrum and we want to be mindful of that. Yeah. So you, you talking about that made me wonder, Allison, is there anything that you do in your own life where you're like, I really try to take like a, almost like a daily inventory or a weekly inventory, or, um, maybe you do something by the semester or the quarter that kind of helps you evaluate how am I doing from a physical, mental, you know, spiritual health aspect. And if so, give us your pointers. (laughs) Yeah. I try to be relentlessly honest with myself and with God, because that's where it starts. Um, and I, I typically do one of two things when, during my prayer time with God, I do sometimes a MEPS check-in, which is your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. And just I've never heard words. that before. I'm, I'm definitely yeah. going to tuck that, tuck that feather in my hat for later. <laughs> yeah. I love the MEPS check-in. It's, it's just sort of, how am I doing mentally? What am I thinking about? How am I doing emotionally? What am I feeling? How am I physically? Am I weary? Am I sick? And then spiritually, you know, my sense God's presence and my feel distance from God, just try to be honest, right? Again, no shame. This is honesty. And then apart from that, I sometimes also do the acts, which is the, you know, uh, adoration of God, confession, thanksgiving, and then prayers of supplication. And so we're not just constantly going to God to say, you know, I need, I need, I need. We're saying, you know, you are this. And then the C, the confess, I really try, you know, little things like, you know, I told a white lie yesterday. Uh, and and maybe I don't go back and confess that to the person because it would make things worse or, you know, it doesn't make sense, but I know, and God knows. And so right. at least I'm, or, you know, I, I spent that money I shouldn't have spent, or I did that, you know, whatever it is, I know, and God knows, and I'm, and I'm, I'm naming it, you know? And uh, I think there's just health in that. I think that just kind of keeps us in check a little bit. Yeah. Um. So Allison, you and I have talked a lot about, you know, how to make sure you're making sure that your needs don't get pushed to the back burner. And I feel like yeah. that really helps with that yes. when you're having that check-in. Yes. So I think that's such a good tangible yes. takeaway. Um, let me ask you, you put a question um, in like a selling point of your book um, or like a bullet point of like what to expect to find in it. One of the things you said is a question, why don't I know what I want anyway? And I was yeah. like, gosh, yes. Because so often women are like, yeah, even if I did have five minutes, I don't, I don't even know what I want out of that five minutes anyway, because I'm so overwhelmed with where to even start or, you know, and I don't even know truly what I want. So how do you kind of advise women to start unpacking that question? I know that's loaded. That's a great question. I mean, the first, that's what the whole book is sort of a journey through that question, because it really is a process. But the first step of the process is to get is to understand that your wants and needs matter. So the very first step is to go, I don't have a clue what I want, but even the fact that I'm going to take a minute to try to begin to discern that is a step. Mm. Amen. <laughs> and then, right. Is that, and, and I may not even get what I want, but, but I want to know what I want, you know? And so even, even with little things, you might start, um, I, I, there's a section of the book where I talk about childhood wounds. And one of the things a lot of us, even in the best of families didn't get was this healthy sense of, I don't, I, I don't prefer that. And that not being bad, you know, that we, so many of us are conditioned that we should just get along to go along, go along to get along just do what other people want to do as opposed to, and so it can just be tiny little things like, you know, 
start little. Like I'm someone who really likes to have tea versus coffee for breakfast. And I'm just going to own that. And I just start really little. But the key there is to really honor what does that feel like in my body that I'm, I'm just going to, you know, or I, I don't really prefer this other thing that my spouse does. And that's okay. Maybe I'll still do it with them. But, but actually, I know and God knows, like, that's not my first choice. This would be my first choice. And then you screw up the courage to go to step two and go, hey, what would you think if we did it this way next time? You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's baby steps, small steps. Yes. yes. Just pay attention. That's really, really good. Now, let me ask you this. How do you do that tit for tat when you're thinking about young kids? Like, what does that look like to then mirror that to them as they're growing up? Very. So as parents, that's such a great question. So we want our kids to understand what they need, when they need to ask for help, what their boundaries are, what they like. And we don't want them to become, you know, selfish, right? I talk a lot about the difference between they're selfish. We don't want to become selfish. We don't want to, honestly, I would argue, don't want to become selfless. What I argue is we want this middle ground, selfhood, which is what I want matters and what you want matters. And so guess what? We're going to have to work it out. And so when you're parenting, when our kid is like, I don't, you know, I get that you don't like that. You know, I get that. You don't want to, to play, um, but you like that friend. And so you try to equip them depending on the age, you know? So what if you, you know, do you want to do that? But instead of just being like, you should always do what the other kids want because that's what's kind, which is sometimes what sneaks into our Christian ideas. It's, I get that you don't want to go to that overnight party um, and all the other kids are, and this is really hard. So, you know, let's say they're in sixth grade. They want to, you know, let's talk it through. Let's, let's think, you know, helping them honor Maybe they end up going, maybe they don't, but it's like, well, it's honor. I get it. This isn't your first choice. You would prefer not to do this. Maybe you're going to choose to do it because you really want to be a good friend, but you need to then understand that that that's being kind and you may need to then take care of yourself. You know, maybe tomorrow when you come home, we'll, we'll be extra careful. You know, I don't know, but, but you're, you're kind of teaching your kids how this idea of honoring what they want and also honoring what the other kids want. Gosh, I, I I definitely am excited to hear that because I think that mm-hmm. I definitely fall into that trap really quickly of being like, well, mm-hmm. we're just being nice and we're going to exactly. do it their way <laughs> because you don't want the argument and you don't want the discussion. But really, that's actually such a great way to open up an avenue for further discussion with your kids that you can always talk to mommy. Mommy's always here. Daddy's always here. Exactly. So that's good. Exactly. Tell me how you really feel. We may not be able to always get you but I want to know, I want to know, and I want to validate. And then I want you to understand why we're not going to do it that way if we're not. Exactly. Um, Okay. So then that kind of brings me back to, okay, I'm thinking about parenting. I'm thinking about like a lot of the women that are listening to this, building on the things that we've discussed already. What do you tell someone who feels like they have a horrible work-life balance? And what are some ways that they can start to prioritize what really matters to them? Oh, gosh. Um, Hard one. Um, if you have a horrible work-life balance, um, you know, I think you have to get to the root of the why. You know, why are you, is it partly because you need the money and so there's just no way around it? And so therefore mm-hmm. then you have to reduce your expectations. If it's like, I need this job and this is the way it is, so that's your why. Then what you have to do is be really gentle with yourself and reduce your expectations of a personal life, which is a bummer. But you go, well, I'm doing this for a season because three years. So that might be a why. Your why might be because I'm bored 
because I'm lonely, because I'm afraid that if I don't work, I'll be nobody or, or I won't matter, right? We have those messages. We have to get to the root of the why. What is driving that part of you that is overworking? Is it a need to please other people? Is it need to feel worthy? Um, if so, how can you shift that toxic message, right? If I don't do this, I'll be, well, what if, you know, I'll, I'll tell people to ask the what if question. What if I could do this? and begin to walk yourself through some of the alternative options. Yeah. And I I will say that that is one of the first things that I did when I realized I was getting out of balance with work is that my thing was, well, what if I could hire someone to help me? Um, So I actually, I just finished this like whole training course on building your team and what that looks like. So if you are a mom and you're listening to this and you're like, I don't, I just know I need help, but this is my reality. You've checked in, you've done, did you call it MEPS? Okay. If you've done your MEPS check-in, I'm like, do that. And then if you're like, I think it could be that I need someone, I'm going to link that course down below. That's and great. I also have some freebies that can help out with that as, that as well. But I know we're quickly running out of time. So I have two questions left for you. I know we've talked some about your new book coming out, The Best of You. Do you mind just sharing a little bit more about anything you would want someone to know that's going to pick up the book or why they should pick up the book? Give us a little bit more info about it. Yeah, it's really a, a therapy and a book. So it's really for anyone, but really in an accessible way for anybody who's felt, you know, like they need better boundaries, feels overwhelmed, um, it's just a process of kind of walking yourself through all the way through these this internal work of paying attention all the way to very practical scripts for how to communicate with others. Um, so it's a very practical, accessible kind of, you know, everything I try to do is like trying to take everything I've learned to kind of just create these resources. I also have a free um, download, um, the Boundaries for Women Kickstart Guide that if someone's interested in take, cause a lot of this gets at boundaries work. Right. And I, yes. it's a, to me, boundaries start from the inside and flow out. So everything I do is kind of like, cause we, we go immediately to the boundary, but sometimes we don't set the, you know, we haven't done the internal work. So we're setting the boundary in the wrong places or, you know, when we really go, Oh, this is actually the help that I need. Or actually what I need to do is less about boundaries and more about and asking for help more. Right. So it's a lot about that pre-work. That's so wise. If you will send me the link to that download you have, I'll put that in the show notes for everybody to be able to grab. Um, and yeah, you guys definitely check out the best of you. I'll put a link to all the information about it as well. And then my final question for you, Allison, is what's your favorite thing in your health journey that's making you feel like yourself right now? And it can be anything that makes you just feel like you. Yeah, I am coming up. Uh, I did a couple of uh, uh, some detoxing. I'm talking about it on the podcast right now. I went up social media for a while and it was really healthy for me. I was very surprised to discover, uh, you know, just some habits that had crept in. So I think for me, this idea of detox, a pause, taking a pause from just these, some of these dependencies that creep in, just get a minute, not to shame yourself, but just to notice what are some other life-giving things I want to bring in. Um, and through that, I really learned how much I, I had missed real, you know, uh, face-to-face connection, making, yes. picking up the phone more versus doing it all online, um, yes. taking walks with friends. It, it's, it was really interesting. So that's bringing me a lot of life, just realizing that's such an important need. Absolutely. And I def obviously with in my field, I definitely understand that. I, I usually take Fridays off social media just yeah. to have that reset. Um, but do you mind answering too? It's kind of like, a, I guess a twofold part of that question. People usually say it takes 21 days to form a habit. Did mm-hmm. you have a specific amount of time that you wanted to be off social media? I took, I took a 
almost six weeks, which is a lot. Oh, I had is. just, but I had been on very intensive. I was launching a book. I was doing a lot. Um, and I was also, there was, it was right around the holidays. It was right before Thanksgiving. I really wanted to be present with my family. We had a lot going on. And so it just, it was sort of, I hadn't ever done it. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to give myself all of the holidays. And it was a gift. I really, it was shocking to me. I, it was easier than I thought. I didn't, I was just, it's kind of like what you said of like figuring out I need help. It was like, oh, we, we start to rely on these things when really what we want is this. Um, and so I need, I don't know that everybody, I know a lot of, a couple of my other friends, you know, they'll take just a week off even over the holidays or two weeks off just enough. But I do think you need and definitely rhythms. I, I used to always do rhythms, but I, I was even blurring the rhythms. And so definitely like a day a week is great, I think. And then if you, then, you know, if you bump it to a week, it's more like, you know, it's almost like a fast, you know, it's like, what is it, what is my life like without of this? I think then you need almost like a week, but it's, it's kind of specific to different people, but that was what worked. I did a little longer one and it was really powerful. That's awesome. Yes. And yeah. I actually, I, I took a cue from your book as well and did the same thing where I took two weeks off around Christmas did and New Year's and I, it was just, it was just refreshing. It was so nice. It, it's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you're, yeah. it just makes you so much more aware, just like you do whole 30 and you become so much more aware of that ingredient list. It's the same thing when exactly. you, when you fast from social media, you're like, Oh, this is oh. maybe a bigger issue than I realized. <laughs> It's, it was the noise. I was like, wow. I just, I didn't realize how much all that is taking up space in my mind. Exactly. exactly. And it is very similar to a food detox. It's very similar. Yeah. It just, it creates healthier rhythms. So, yes. Well, Allison, is there anything else you want to tell anybody where to find you online? Uh, DrAllisonCook.com. That's where you can get all those freebies. Uh, I have a little free ebook called She's Better Than Me, which is about comparison, book, a uh, founder's kickstart guide. That's probably the best place. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Okay. Well, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in for another episode with Dr. Allison Cook. I'm so, so grateful that she joined us today. Go find her on social media. Tell her hello. Um, let her know something that you really enjoyed in this episode. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And also go check out her podcast too. Y'all have a wonderful day.